we think mm. to ourselves that we don't want to be a nuisance. When you have family with special needs... Or that we don't deserve the attention, right? So right. Do or deserve they attention. need it more than you need it. Right. You know, because we have what we need in, in our side of us, and you sort of feel like that, but we all need attention. We all need love. We all need to feel heard. Through my life as a child, I was never number one. Okay. 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 My life, mm -hmm. um, I, I was born into a family with two brothers with special needs, and that's where I want to go into. Right. As I started my life. Right. Youngest of four kids. Right. And it was never about me. For for many years as a young child, right. like the crazy things of what came through my mind right. was, why was I born? Oh, okay. Like, can you imagine a child? Like, I think right. back to all of these things, right? Right. To come to a point in life and you, and as a child, right. you're questioning, why was I born? You know, like, it was always about because my family had other demands, two children that needed a lot more. Mm. Glenda, that seemed like she had the world because she seemed strong. Okay. So she was shoved to the back, mm. not getting the, you know, yes, I was loved. Yeah. But not getting um, that, the, the, all the attention or the attention that a young child or a child needs. Right. Not getting that. And, and how did I sort of get my way to be seen a lot of times? Well, for the fact that I was also the very curious child. Okay. So when I was told not to touch something, I needed to understand why. Nobody explained why. Right. So what did I do? I touched. Right. You know, how hot so is So that it? was more curiosity than rebelling? Well, but I did. Or were you trying to get attention too? No, it was curiosity. But of course, it was the desire was always there of wanting attention. Mm. Never mind it's always about the boys. Right. There was, there was, and I, and that's where I'm being real, you know, like there was still resentment in, in, as a child of, you know, why is it always about the boys? Why can't it be about a lot of people like, feel that way? Like they're, um, they're sitting there and kind of like the world's happening, mm -hmm. right? And nobody's even looking at them. And so as a result of nobody looking at them, there, there's this question of, so then what am I? Like, why am I here? What's my value in this? That's the feeling. Yeah, and so then the re the response is, is there is was Glenda's response back then um, to challenge that to go well? I'm going to show them, or was it? Um, why am I here? Like, did you did you feel like you knew why you were here and you're going to show them, or were you like doubting, or I, was there a question? I doubted. I doubted myself. I, I I was a very lonely child in a lot of ways. Um, I didn't understand that loneliness until I became an adult. Okay. Years, years later, when I actually had a trouble, was going through something with my own child. Right. That I actually met with um, a counselor because I had something very um, life-changing happening with my with my son. Okay. And I didn't know how to approach it. I'm a very deep thinker. Sure. And I and I was concerned about approaching it in a way where I was showing respect, understanding, honesty, and so forth. And I, as I was challenged, I went to somebody and started asking, and she actually brought me back into time as a child. Hmm. And I always said, you know, it was crazy that throughout my childhood and even throughout my adulthood, I kept on asking myself, you know, like I always felt alone. Why am I always feeling so alone? I could go to a party and, and have a fabulous time and be involved because I'm a, I, I'm a people person yeah, you for are. the most part. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, there's part of me that is shy right. and reserved. And if I don't have something to say, then I'll be quiet. And I'm listening, and I love to learn. But there, then I could walk away, and I could be coming home, and all of a sudden, this whole wave of loneliness. And I couldn't understand this. Like, couldn't get it. And what I understand is when I went back into my childhood is that I found a lot of times when I thought back of the times where I was very much alone. I played by myself because there were times my parents didn't have, they ran a business 
two boys with special needs. Uh, um, my sister, who was older, I was the youngest. And it was like, you know, like, Glenda can, you know. Handle herself. Handle herself. And, and because you were, you were, let's just use that word for a second, because you appeared to be managing. Yeah. Everybody else looks at it and goes, well, relatively speaking right now, compared to what we have to do with Glenda's all right. But Glenda. Wasn't all right. So, so, but Glenda then didn't know this, did she? No. Or like what, what, what was Glenda then sort of saying? Oh, well, I guess this is life. And no, there's a sense of acceptance or what, what was it? I think more of sadness in really? a lot of ways. I think there was sadness because, um, yeah, it, like I said, you know, it was always about, um, I grew up faster than everybody else. Right. You always had to care for somebody. Right. When I, even the going out and playing with your friends, like in my day, <laughs> you went on the street and you played. My whole neighborhood were kids all around. Mm -hmm. So you went on the streets and you played. Right. Well, you know, I could never just play and just not think of anything. But if I saw somebody um, bullying one of my my brothers, you know, this little girl would put herself tall right. and put her hands on her waist and just... Were you always taller than everyone? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you'll know me in, yeah. in, in, all through school. I, said, well, I look up to you also because you're tall, but like <laughs> I said that earlier. So all through school, you'll always know me because I am the girl who's right at the top, in the back, right at the thing. That's my place. And that bothered me too. And that also kind of keeps you as like an, a little bit outside the, the norm, let's just call it the average you're at. Tall. And I didn't like my height. And you didn't like it. No, I hated well, it. I'm just going to tell you that I always wish I was a little taller. Yeah, too, well, so we all amazing. long hair or curly hair once, straight hair, straight hair once. So then on that, how do you know now that, that you were being, that you were sad or that you um, were actually like um, shorted somehow or another perspective might be, and I'm just, you know, me just. Yeah, go for it. With you. What if you were just. A little bit, say, you know how we say about kids nowadays, sometimes we're like, oh, they're so entitled. Oh, they're so ungrateful. Look at how much they have. They can't see how much they have. They're seeing what they don't have and what more they want. I mean, you could say, hey, Glenda, you had, you had, you had a roof over your head. You had parents that loved you. Yeah. And yeah, they were very, uh, they were busy because life is life and they were doing their best. I know. With intent for you. And then obviously I know that. Yeah. But how could you then be sad about that? Why would you say that you're sad or were sad? But I'm just telling you the feelings of a child, what I felt. That's right. As a child. You still feel sad and not and necessarily be. not be entitled. Yeah. You see, when you grow up with special needs family, you understand that I was always very grateful for being healthy. Right. Yes. You know, like because I saw the other side. Yes. You know, I was put in positions like my mother was very active in the early years with people with special needs. Right. So I, because in those days you didn't just hire babysitters when you're the youngest, you're just dragged everywhere. That's right. Right. And the other thing is, and, and why I love to put it out is because I want other families that are going through this to understand sure. some of the things that I've gone through. And by the way, Doctors have now categorized siblings who have lived through the life that I have as being called glass children or yes. um, or what was it, um, glass or um, um, I can't remember the other name to it, but the, the, they, because life as a child, you're being seen through, sure. you're not getting the attention because sure. the attention is towards somebody else mm -hmm. but i always knew because when i was taken places and my mother was at events or meetings where there were other lot of special needs people and a lot worse than even my brothers were right because i always was always grateful that they were the way they were and not it could have was tough. could have been a lot worse sure so um you know it was like glenda you sit on that chair and don't say a word and don't move because huh. i would always yeah. Never, wherever I am, I'm never left. Right. I never, I find myself moving around sure. to explore. Yeah. And when you're not explained as a child and you see these people coming in and some are in wheelchairs, some have feeding tubes, as a little child, it's scary. You know, it's amazing. It's so true that we, the children, young children, how, how old were you this time? Like, I would have like being four, five, six years oh, old. Then, even like, at that age. 
you've got these, you've got some very profound thoughts. You're observing, yeah. right? You, you remember now that you had these observations. And you know, earlier on, we were talking about that voice. So back then, this voice is already starting to talk to you. And this voice, it's there in everybody, I think. Yes. And that's the first one the voice starts telling us, I don't feel right about this. I don't feel good about this, but quiet. Yeah. And so we uh, sometimes, whether it's deliberately or subconsciously, right there start quieting the voice. Would you, would you say you started telling yourself, you knew that this was a feeling, but even then, it's so powerful. We're like, listen, right now you're needed to sit still. You're needed to be strong. You're needed to help so you don't listen to that voice. Would you, would you say that? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, as a very, uh, as a type of child that the curiosity would pull me into different areas. Like, yeah. And that voice is very, uh, and is very present. And you're telling it to quiet down. You know, like, you know, like these people, why are they like theirs? It's it's like, I'm scared. Nobody's coming around me to save me. Like, why are they like this? Nobody explains. Mm. You know, like you think about it, um, how important, and, and I learned this as a child so that when I became a parent, I became very aware of explaining things to my kids because I didn't want them to come through and feel mm. some of the things that were going through my mind because um, even those little kids like myself, I needed to understand. I needed to understand that there wasn't danger, like feeling frightened. Right. Imagine, you know, you have all these people around and there's noises that people make when, you know, there's you're seeing somebody in a wheelchair feeding tubes. You don't understand these things. It's scary. And I can, I remember that, like, I can feel myself right now sitting in that chair as a little girl going, you know, are these people normal? Like, is is somebody going to hurt me? Is, you know, like, what is it? And I could feel myself pulling myself back into the chair, believe it or not, because it was like finding, maybe I can put a wall around me so I'm safe. Because... If a child doesn't feel that safe, what ends up happening? You sort of start to go into yourself. So you started going into yourself. You started becoming, you started trying to quiet this voice. This is at that young age that you can recall. Then as as time goes by and, you know, you're maturing, you're growing, you don't stop being curious. I mean, that's who you are. But it never becomes about you. And, and uh. You know, I'll tell you a a story where I show it's never about me and how it affected me through a young adult. So, you know, like I said, it was, and and I'm not complaining, you know, today I I look after my brothers and I am their voice and I'm their power and I'm loving that the fact that I've given them more of a life now today than they ever had before in their entire lives and I'm proud of what I've done for them. But... Um, as a young ad, um, adolescent, um, there was a day where my brother used to go to a workshop and they taught him how to take the bus. And, you know, because people with special needs do everything um, like it's a pattern that they do it. And as long as they keep that pattern, that's fine. So one day my brother doesn't arrive at his, at his, at his program and he's taking the bus and all of a sudden they, they alarm us to the fact that he never arrives. So we go into this whole thing, and I'm I'm a young adult at this point. I'm I'm guess I'm about I'm about seventeen years old. Okay. And one of my brothers is now missing. So we're all into panic now, and the police have been informed. And I come up with the with the um, idea of since he's taking a subway, let's go check the subways out. So first of all, we run to the closest one where we where we lived near was finished subway station so we run there and i go off my mother's driving and i go out of the car and i go running around the subway thing looking for him and the rest and he's not there so we go to the next thing where he would be changing subways and um 
we go to the York Mill station and I turn around, I'm looking around in the subway station or the subways are downstairs. And I can see my brother as I'm coming down the stairs, I can see him at the right at the end of the um, subway uh, platform. And I end up jumping a few steps to make it to him because all of a sudden my my whole thing is, is, oh my God, he's there, right? So I jump and I feel something, but I pay no attention because it's about him. Mm-hmm. And I go running. We get home, we settle things, the police are called, everything comes down, but everybody's been in crazy, right? And something's wrong, I know it, and I'm not feeling well, but I say nothing, mm-hmm. right? Because we've had a really horrible day or what went on. In the middle of the night, I get up and I'm burning and I collapse on the floor. And I lay on the floor. Imagine this, because I've done through this so many times in my head. I lay on the floor and I'm afraid to yell out for help to my parents. Because why? What's going through my head? Look what they've been through today. Yeah, I was just going to say, after everything. After everything, I can't do this. Mm. I lay on my floor all night long. I'm sort of going in and out. I can't get up. Mm. My legs are not working. Finally, the morning, at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm hearing rustling, and I'm going, like, through the night, I'm going, help, hi, is anybody there? Can anyone hear me? But not at a loud voice. The morning, I'm come, I, phone, I, I yell out, Mom, Daddy there? Can you come in here? Not yelling help. Sure. I'm asking to come in. They come into my room and they go, what's wrong? Um, I I can't move. What do you mean you can't move? Um, I've been here all night to their astonishment. Mm. What's going on? What do you mean? Why didn't you scream? Well, Why didn't you ask for help? Well, you know, last night was so busy with everything that went on with Michael. How can I do that? You know, like I felt bad. Well, so, you know, next thing is, you know, there's an ambulance that comes and takes me in and takes me in. And I end up in the hospital for a month because I had, um, I hit a nerve in my back and wow. um, I had to go through, you know, through, I went through a little bit of surgery and I had to get back to walking again. It took me a month to get myself moving forward and to doing it. But imagine that that was a true example of how for a child growing up that I felt that it wasn't about me and that I felt bad that all of a sudden that it had to be about me. So can I, so there's this like, um, I always say this to people who are like you, who are constantly there for others, mm-hmm. that there's this guilt when mm-hmm. it, when it for some reason is about yeah. us or you, yeah. you know, uh, uh, it, it, we're, we're, we're almost whether we've been conditioned or conditioned ourselves to accept exactly. that it's not about us, yeah. that it can't be about us. So anything that ever happens for us, do you ever feel like you're, you're feeling guilty? It N- took me forever to be able to receive. And I still have a hard time when somebody wants to do something nice for me. Right. It's like, well, yeah, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, there's this, yeah. That's yeah, okay. So can I ask you a counter to that? Because... <laughs> There's guilt on one hand, yeah, right? But then at the same time, this is so hard to explain, I feel, that there's guilt when we get, but we're also very consciously aware that like life, nobody noticed us. And that's also not fair. Yeah, yeah. So it's unfair that we're, we're like glass, what did you call it earlier? The right? glass child, yeah. The, the glass child never looks at the glass child and say, that's okay. Right? Why do they call that? Because they have this feeling that, come on, a little bit, a little bit. But then guilt, like simultaneous. That's exactly. That's the biggest conflict. Yeah. So you feel guilty, but you also feel it's unfair. You're being pulled in so many different ways, yeah. right? Because you want it to be about you. You would love a little sunshine or limelight, right? right? And maybe that's why I always thought, maybe that's why God made me tall, is because even when I didn't want to stand out, I still stood out, out. right? So it was kind of like, I looked at all- You can't stand out in the way you want. You can stand out in this way. 
right? But you're like, like, I want to, I want this kind of love, and they're like, no, you're gonna get this kind of love or attention anyway. You no, know, like I say, I, I I always knew that I was loved. I was I was also right. Daddy's little girl. I was the boy, okay, that Daddy didn't have, right? Because for I'm the type of wanted to get my hands dirty, mm-hmm. like yeah, you know. Uh, you know, year a couple of years ago, I bought a house, and I was right in there. I remember that building the house and doing the house, and yeah. people are looking at me like, you know, I arrive and I'm together, yeah. even in jeans and whatever. That's just Glenda, right. and my, you know, and my contractor looked at me and he says, "You're coming to work," and I said, "Yeah, just give me some work," and I'm there to build and do, and it's like I'm my dad, you know, like I'm the only person that goes to, you know, I remember when my partner was buying me a car and he had bought me a Jaguar and we go in and I to the dealership so I can pick the color and I say to the guy can we go under the hood and show me where everything is and he looks at me and he says what yeah what do you want he says I've been dealing with Jaguars for over 20 years and I've never been asked and I said oh no I I need to know where the oil is I need to go and he's I I just wanted to know if it could fit my golf clubs and you, I need to know. I like. I was taught how to change a tire. I was taught when we had a cottage how to winterize it by climbing under the cottage. And it didn't matter if you're going through the webs and the, all the webbies from the spiders and all the rest. I was taught to to fish and 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 touch leeches and do all the rest. It didn't matter. That was just who Glenda was. But I've heard three things now. Like I've heard sadness. Yep. I've heard guilt. And I've heard, you know, uh, let's just say unfairness, right? So it's like we feel guilty, but it's unfair. And and that that conflict, then you're like, well, pick a side. Which one is it? And you can't decide which one is it. So as you're talking to yourself, this voice is talking to you at 17, and we keep on suppressing. We keep on oh, suppressing. So this is a pattern you're noticing about yourself now. Yeah. You're caught, like here you are, and... There you are also, it's funny that you also say that, you know, you would also do things that were atypical, right? Like, hey, like you said, hey, I just get my hands dirty because you said you were the boy because the girls don't do this, right? So now you're finding, hey, if I'm getting acceptance, if I'm getting attention this way, I'll, I'll take it. I'll do this, even though this is not typical. But you learned in doing that. You enjoyed doing that. It, well, I, it, it fostered a bond. Well, it fostered a bond. I got the attention from my dad, right? Um, who I always tried to. Um, I, I, as a young child, I was scared of my dad, but um, it seemed like it was a generation thing back then. It's like I was, yeah, yeah. But but here's the funniest part: at a certain point, everything switched, mm. and he was so looking up to me, and we formed such an incredible bond that he kind of, uh, he to me, he was my hero in my life. You know, to this day, I have a very, you know, when I think of my dad, my heart melts. I see that with my sister and my dad as well, my elder sister. And I think it's also because your dad always, well, now you know. Huh. Even though back then as a child, you might have felt like you were sitting on that chair and everything was happening, but nobody was noticing. But I think your dad always noticed that you mm. were always there. You were his, you know, rock. And and I was the kid who, you know, even though the, there's a little devil in me, and there still is till there's today, a devil in all of us. Heck, but and but I love that more devil. than one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, There's space in there for more than one side. But, I, you know, it, it was also the thing that I think that a lot of people loved about me because I challenge, I also challenged him and pushed him to different levels and sometimes uncomfortable levels. Now that, you know, as, a, as a, an adult, I look back to all these things, right? So you're also feisty all this time. Always. Hmm. hmm. And I think like being bigger than everyone, taller than everyone, sometimes... You feel like that gave you also some like, so you have, you've always, ever since I've known you and I, and I wonder if you've always had this, like this, this feeling of, I do have power. I am strong. Not for years. Though. Really? No. So there's times you walked around where uh, you you would say you felt weak and powerless and you felt, um, really? Okay. My life has gone like this all through my life. Okay. So give me a powerless moment. 
think like back when you were 17 so when when it was back then cuz nobody I, I school I was fit powerless I did not do well in school Okay. And when you say powerless, do you mean what? Like academically, academically socia- socially, socially and academically. Okay. Um, like you were trying or you just didn't care or you were trying and, and falling? Well, what what was it? So everyone has a favorite subject and some people just... Photography. Some people don't have favorite. One of my favorite subjects. Some people struggle with... Um, so. Spare time became one of my favorite <laughs> subjects. Really? Yeah, I think uh, you were the only one in high school that would have ever said that. Yeah, Yeah, really, right? Um, for my own, not for my own good, I, I did stupid things. Like my parents, you know, for years didn't even see a report card. I would actually forge my mother's signature and she didn't notice for years. And and you thought that was a talent back then. Yeah. Right. Of yeah. course. And she didn't see that, you know, like, and why? Because I didn't really apply myself in a lot of ways. And I see it now. And I saw at one point when my world sort of changed and went rocketing. And I went, oh, I actually am smart. But I didn't realize it through the years. So I I did stupid things that hurt myself because my parents didn't have the time to, to look at me. Where I got involved in some groups of things and did things like got involved in doing a little bit of drugs in, in high school and and. So, you know, um, skip a lot of classes. You know, it's interesting that you just said that, that you would forge a signature. On one hand, Glenda, you're feeling unnoticed. On the other hand, you're covering yourself up. Yeah. To be more unnoticed. Yeah. And everything seems to just be moving along. And you're like, look, even when I hide myself, no one's asking did you have that feeling? Yeah. Then yeah. why isn't somebody asking? Well, that was the whole thing with my parents. Wow, another year and they haven't even seen a report card. They don't even ask. You know, um, I did enough to to get get the grade. Hmm. And although I wasn't happy with that in myself, but it was I was covering. I always covered up because I didn't also want to be um, a burden to my parents. They had enough on their plate, as I always felt, hmm. right? So it was always covering myself up so that I would kind of make it over the wire, but not so it didn't shine out or so they didn't have to worry about me, like yet another problem. Hmm. And so I'm just trying to imagine this, right? As like an outsider looking into that when you're saying this, I could just see like... um you know, like this, this people just kind of like blend into the crowd, right? And you're just sort of like, just lost in there, right? Yeah. Not noticed. Yeah. Um, but then you said you had a, a, a rocket moment. Like, so a lot of times um, I, I always feel like what makes us special lies latent in us. Mm. And now when you look back, you're like, it was always there, but it was latent. Or was it not present? what's your view on that looking back at yourself do you feel like do you know that just before that rocket moment right before you take off it had to have been there for you to take off mm-hmm. but when you ask yourself now looking back was it always there you think and it was just latent or was it something that evolved what's your thought well it's looking at yourself a little bit of both i think there there was a lot of special things in me that i never noticed um, I, I didn't feel, I, I wasn't comfortable also in my own skin. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I always say this when I tell about my story is because I was tall and I was also, um, um, what people would call as a big girl. Yeah. So I had like, a lot of extra right. meat right. on my bones. Sure. Um, and when people would call me, uh, she's a big girl. Um, I took it as being fat mm-hmm. now, you know, um, and that was a very uncomfortable thing, uh, as being, I felt heavy and blurb and I wanted to kind of hide myself mm-hmm. too. So I got so many things going on in me, right? Not comfortable where I am, not the fact that I stand out because I'm tall but I feel uncomfortable because I feel fat because people now refer to me as a big girl, never thinking of the fact of being tall as being big. Mm. 
I could take it as my entire life of being heavy that that makes me feeling very like there's no shining of me mm. right and yet for some reason i i always had my father had a um um he had a nickname for me and he always called me beamer because he said i always beamed i always shone yeah i know right and so he saw it yeah so because i came like you know like i said i i had that that um, child that wanted to seek and find and do the rest, but yet I didn't want to be seen hmm. because I didn't want to take. I didn't want to take over. Hmm. Um, the being the limelight, right? There was that uncomfortable. So you, so you were getting messages that there is something special, mm. um, but there was always this thought that maybe it needed to be suppressed because you know, right now is not the right time. Mm -hmm. And so it's sitting there. And then after a little while, because that, that special doesn't get engaged, it, it might as well be non-existent. Yeah. And then it, it's gone. And then it can't even be summoned. Do you feel? Yeah. And then something happens and it, it gets summoned or all of those other little moments for the time when you jumped over the, the, the you know, it all converges into a moment or does it happen for you? Like, over a series of, of moments or was there a, a moment? Of moments, yeah. Or like a phase. Yeah. yeah. Different things that have come out and I'm just so many things that have gone through the years where I do something and I'm so blown away with, wow. Look yeah, what, okay. So there, so that happens, right? Cause yeah. you're like, wow, I just, what ones do you recall like the first time that something like that, you even shocked yourself. Cause you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. So. Okay, the first time. Well, this would have to be like, remember, like the person you were describing to me has been, you know, exactly as you okay, so said. so my first job, yeah, I went to, um, my parents really didn't want me working. I was mm. 16 years old. They didn't really want me working. But um, my I grew up and my family had um, drapery stores. So we were a retail family. And when I'd go in and work in a day as a child, whether it was sweeping the floors, wrapping drapes, when people bought them, we used to wrap them in paper so they would have one bundle of things mm -hmm. that they would carry out. If I'd go and I'd do that, like my parents didn't believe in, in um, you know, if I needed anything, we just bought it. And we were told when times weren't good that, you know, we got to buckle down a little bit because business isn't good or something. So we all knew about those things. Mm -hmm. But when I would go into the store to work, with whatever it was, my dad would always give me some money mm. for work. And I liked that because I liked spending my own money. Right. I didn't like asking right. for money. Right. I felt very bad when I had to ask, like, I'm going out with my friends. Can I have some money? I hated that. Mm. So I wanted to now get a job. And my parents didn't want me working because they wanted me just focusing on school. And, um, but I was determined. I went out and I got myself a job. I went to a ladies' wear store to work in a store mm. as a sales girl. Still being a little on the chunky side, okay? Not loving my image, but still manage. I've always been able to put myself together. And I go into the store and there's a woman who interviews me. And I still remember her. She was one of my mentors. Mm. She was probably my first mentor. And she was a very large woman. And here she's working in um, in 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 a fashion business, mm. and a, and more larger than what the store actually carries. But this woman is magnificent. She holds herself with power and finesse, right? So taken by her because, you know, here I am feeling mm -hmm. big and hoping I get a job and. She sees something in me. She hires me, and for a cup for two, three years, I work as a sales girl, and she always keeps an eye on me through the time. But in the meantime, I'm also finishing high school, and then I go off because I take a private course to become a paralegal, which I graduate, and I come to her and tell her now I'm leaving because. My parents have paid a lot of money for me to do this private course mm -hmm. in schooling, and now I'm going off to get myself a job in a legal firm and 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 try all the rest. And she tells me to keep in touch. 
And yet there I go and I go off and leave with great relationship, right? And we turn around and she finds me. Um, a year goes by. I hate my job. Terrible law firm. Terrible lawyer. One of heard them. that before. Woman who I had, there were two, there was a senior partner, a wonderful older man, but he was never there enough because he spent his winters in Florida. And then her, um, the other senior lawyer who is mean, nasty, um, condescending, like anything about her. She was just sure a horrible person. Right. Okay. So I decide after a year, knowing that I need to stay in the job for a year, right? Because it doesn't look good on my resume for me to mm. go from one job to another. So I stick it out for the year and then I leave. And along with me, a lot of other, the couple of the other lawyers leave because we're all feeling the same way. And she hears about it through the grapevine that I'm leaving. So she phones me and she says, would you, I'd like you to come in forward so I can talk to you. Who, who phones you? Wait. My, my first mentor. From oh, the from the store. store. Okay. She phones me huh. and she says, I understand that you're looking for a job. And I said, yes, I'm going to, going to, you know, I've got a couple of law firms lined up. I'm going to see. Before you go, I want to talk to you. Okay, I'm surprised that she even remembered me mm -hmm. because that's how I'm thinking. I'm non, you know, like, why would she even remember me? Come in and she says, I'd like to offer you an opportunity. And I said, okay. Now, meanwhile, while I was working in the store, even as a part-time sales clerk, I had really great sales because I was very honest with people. You know, lady, you, you look great in it, but you should be in a size 12 instead of size 8. Like, the dude just don't work for you. Like, you know, like, don't buy it. It doesn't look good to you. Like, that's who I am. Right. I'm straightforward honest. Like, it doesn't work. You know, and, and because of that, I had a lot of people that would come back to mm -hmm. me because of that. Anyways, she phones me. She offers me a new position that she has made for me hmm. to become a floating manager to travel all across Canada, opening stores, hiring staff, interview or interviewing staff, hiring them and training them and doing all of this. Like, I'm not even trained at this point. She says, I'm not worried about you. I'll train you in a matter of a month and we will send you out. And that's what I did for two. And so you, you let her, you let her know, even at that point. Well, I'm not like, qualified. I said. How, how and she's convincing she says, you that I'm you're not worried about you, Glenda. I've seen enough of you. Hmm. And I went, really? What does that mean? <laughs> like, but traveling around Canada, like right. I I've never opened a store in my life. Right. Don't worry. We, you're not going alone. We have a team. You'll be supported by the team. I will train you in the next month to get you going, to get you on. And I guarantee you, I'm not going to worry about you at all. And I was going, but I worry about me. How would I do? Like, I don't know this. And I was so blown away that A, she had the trust in me because I didn't have the trust in me. Right. You know, at this point, I'm 19, 20 years old going out there she said that the only one thing is, is your age because of my height and how I, I looked older for myself. She says, your age has to be a top secret thing because no manager is going to take direction from such a young person. So isn't it crazy? Today you're a coach for people. Yeah. And it's an amazing how many times you must see people come up to you who you um, see more in them mm -hmm. than they see in themselves. Totally. Yet, they look at you and they say, you don't understand how dark it is over here. Oh, yeah. And you're standing there going, I totally understand how dark it is because there is the example where you're sitting there, you have no idea how somebody else sees you being successful and they haven't explained it to you yet. No. And you haven't yet, you don't even know the steps from now to the end of your success. Steps. Somebody else has seen it for you. Yeah. Uh, so both universes exist at the exact same time, right? Mm -hmm. But you're the one. It's your universe, and it's completely dark, black, right? And somebody else is looking at your universe, going, "In their universe, you're a beamer, right?" 
Yeah. So, but you, there's, but you have to, at that point in time, trust someone else. Well, what, how did you, because this is the part, I don't know, people call it, do they call it, I thought imposter, I don't know what they call it. Yeah. But like we fail, we fail ourselves. Oh, yeah. We just don't Hello. see it. We it, don't even, so many we times. don't even start because we don't see, forget the end. We don't even see the next step. Though somebody else is telling us there's the next step, but we don't see it. You didn't see it. No. So then how did you then at that point in time, because you're not the person who you are today, who knows, oh, you got to trust and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what did that person, how did that person get to taking that next step? What did you do? First of all, I do you think? saw something in her. Okay. I related myself to her in, in the ways, mm-hmm. you know, I admired her appearance. It was more than appearance. Here's an old, here's a, a woman who's large. And, and you know, in, in society through all of the years, especially back then, you know, yeah. models became smaller and smaller. And today, models are all shapes and sizes. Right. Thank God. But in those days, you know, you weren't pretty unless you were this. Right. Well, I was never this, never in my life. Even today, there's, you know, I'm I'm not skinny, yeah. but I don't consider myself fat, but I'm solid. Yeah. But I've never been a skinny person. And um, that was always been one of my biggest hang-ups is how I appeared. So you saw But this I saw thing. her having the power, mm. even with being... Um, Call it flawed. Yeah. Even okay. with the flaw. Even with the flaw, she was articulate. She, she would, there was just, she was just a perfect package right. in an, in a flawed way. Yeah. I, I understand that. And, and that really reson- resonated with me. And I went. Because if she was perfect, you couldn't trust her. No. Right? Yeah. She had to have the flaw. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Like now you can trust. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like we can't, if we see something that's perfect, we, we like, we, we just like, can't trust that. No. There's no way I can connect to this. Well, like, because I see all my other flaws. Yeah. So, so that's what you saw. Yeah. And she was always kind to me. Like she had the time, even when she would come from head office mm. and come into the store. Like I, I worked in those days in Yorkdale, which was close to head office. And she would, they would pop in the head office and come. She'd always make it a point to come and say hello to me and introduce me to somebody else. And I would always wonder, right, because there was another girl that worked there who was young, who was much prettier, much thinner, you know, like, and that's how I saw it. You know, I'm not pretty. I'm not thinner. I'm not like I would look at myself putting myself down and I'm watching this young girl who had this beautiful little body and so cute and so, like, very, like, um, I don't know what the word is, poppy. Like, you know, she right. just had all this. Got the little, grace. Uh, everything. And then there's Glenda. Mm. And that's how I felt. And then there was Glenda. Mm. And yet, she didn't do that to her, but she would always come into me. And I, you know, she made me feel special, even though I never felt special. So, what do you think, looking back, because um, she saw something, and all of that stuff was there, you weren't seeing it, obviously, yeah. but she was seeing it. Do we see it in ourselves? Well, that's what I'm trying to figure, right, is sometimes all of those other things that happened in the past before that moment really were really building you, building up those powers in you. Now that you look back on it, you're like, okay, because she saw something. So what, but I saw, what did she see? What did she see? Because I've seen from all of the the things that went through my life, right. from pushing myself back to never giving myself credit, right. to under uh, always underestimating myself, to all of these things, you know, I always had one thing I because I was taught right. to have understanding and, and kindness because um I've seen life was never, I I wasn't in the life of the pretty. My family was never known. We were always sort of known as the outcasts in some ways. You'd walk into a restaurant, and those days people were downright mean to people that weren't pretty, um, especially when you had special needs. And we'd walk into a restaurant, and people would be staring and looking. 
and it bothered me. Sure. As a, as a young child, I'd look at people and go, I'm like, what are you looking at? Because I hated it. And they, it wasn't me, it was my family, my brothers. We were different. Sure. So, you know, I, I had a lot of different things coming at me from all different angles, but all that built me to be who I am today. Kind, understanding, compassionate. Because when you, you just think of it, you know, many years ago I got my brother a job and I didn't realize that we take so much for granted. I, I went and I followed, I became, um, to help him get this job, I shadowed him so that I could teach him so he can work at something because that was part of the way I could help him to build him up. And it was an, an, an office job and I didn't even think of this in the thing. They asked him to do some photocopying and then to put paper clips on a paper. Well, don't you know how to put a paper clip on a paper? Mm -hmm. He couldn't put a paper clip. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, didn't even think of that. He didn't have the fine motor skills, never mind the fact of taking them out and making sure they're all in proper order, If right? He put, put a paper clip on a paper. So many things that we don't think of in our lives, of what somebody can do or can't do. Hmm. And those things is why I look at life very differently. So what do you, what do you say, like, and somebody's going through this experience, the, the glass child with having things and people around them who need more care than them, who they have to care for, who don't get the recognition or I don't want to say who don't get the love, but definitely get don't love, get the but not, feel, can feel like don't feel lonely, love. feel lonely. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's all kinds of action going on around them, but they're like sitting there, like everything's just passing right by them. Um, Knowing what you've gone through, how, what do you what do you say to that that person who's going through it today? Because when you when you're going through it today, everybody feels like their situation is completely unique, yeah. right? That, and they're all alone. They feel like they're the only yeah. ones going through it, and they don't see the way back. Like they 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 don't see how that, and some sometimes they don't even now desire it anymore. They they resolve, they resign to like, well, this is it, you know, this is it for me, yeah. Because you've had that maybe feeling yeah, as well, that maybe this is just how I am. I'm not going to get reborn at another height, at another sort of, you know, b body type. This is me now. And they just resign to that. Well, we can build ourselves up. And, I, and I've and i done a lot of work through the years on myself. Right. Like I, I can't coach anybody, which I don't, um, unless I do have done it myself. And that's part of where I come from for, sure. for people. Um, but it's, first of all... Um, you know, what people have to understand is parents only do the best they can with what they know and where they are. And I understand of being a parent myself and have made some major mistakes through my life. Sure. And and my kids never understood till later in years when I explained things and, and that. But, you know, especially parents that are living in that state. And I like, I love to be able to reach out to families who have this because I, I want families, parents and children alike to, to, to speak to them and let them understand. First of all, if you're a child that has, uh, that has siblings and you're a glass child like me, um, I, I say to you to go to your parents and say, you know, I need some to, I need to be heard. I'm not feeling like my voice is being heard. And in your own ways of saying that, um, I, you know, I feel lonely. I feel unheard. I feel unloved maybe at times because I know I did. And you need to talk to your parents about it because they don't realize, you know, as being a parent yeah. and running and working and, and and especially today, there's there's so many things going on in our world that's so difficult that you don't realize sometimes what we do to our own Yeah, children. I, I guess I, I could just see a parent saying, well, why didn't you tell me you were feeling this? Yes. <laughs> like my parents never clued. Like right. you, like I told you, even that day, whoops, that I was on the floor, my mother's saying, why didn't you scream in the middle of the night? And I'm going- I would come, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I, you would have been in the hospital already. We would have been dealing with this. You're running- So the, they do care. They're like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, but- but I, yeah. but we think hmm. to ourselves, 
that we don't want to be a nuisance, right? You know, we, because when you have a family with special needs, or that we don't deserve the attention, right? So right, or the they need it more than you need it, right? You know, because we 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 have what we need in in our side of us, and you sort of feel like that. But we all need attention. We all need love. We all need to feel heard. We all need to, you know. I always felt that I only felt heard when I did something wrong because there would be a scream of what Glenda, you know, Glenda, what else is new, right? <laughs> but it was even though, why did you think it was me? Well, yeah, it was me, but why did you think it was me? Right. But it's- Before the trial, I'm before, guilty. <laughs> yeah. I get that, I get that. But, you know, we, we need to speak what we feel and we need to really say it to our families and our parents and our siblings and- you know, we, we need to speak up for ourselves because if we don't say what we feel, nobody understands us. Nobody understands, not that they don't understand us, they don't know what's going on. Like, you know, like when my kids say something, I remember as my son once when I was going through a really hard time, I was going through a divorce and I was yelling a lot. Mm. And I and my son yelled back at me and I said, why are you yelling at me? And he turned around and said, because you're always yelling at me. Yeah. And I went, oh my God. Yeah, From that moment on, everything changed. So I, I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to need to do another, we're going to call this, these episodes, The Voice, okay? Yeah. I think so, right? Because there it was, it was always present. And the different relationships that we have with that voice, and I think this has been, it's a, it's a great way for you, just what you said there in the end, to just, you know, listen to that voice and, 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 and express that voice. And when that voice comes out, it's heard and it's accepted. And they want, actually, yeah, they want to hear your voice. Yeah. So thank you so much for, there's so much more, right? That oh my gosh, yeah. So we're going to have to have you... We're going to have to have you back. I'd love to. I, you know what? I, I believe that a lot of the things that we go through in our lives, it's not to, that life happens to us. It's happening for us. And I, for me, believe that I want to help others to, um, to understand what I went through You're doing so that it. they can. You're doing it every day. I see you. Um, like I was saying, like I, we stay in touch all, yeah, online. We see what the other one's doing and the, it's it's funny like you could say that you went to go study to be a paralegal but here you are your your voice your story of being a a caregiver right a, a, a big what i call yeah. a true humanist right um that that life shapes you and and really pulled out that that ability in you that power in you to be able to do this for others and i think it's fantastic what you're doing mm -hmm. i do want to talk about it some more i do want to have you back yeah. but today i just want to say thank you glenda you know for showing us kind of like the beginnings of it the the part where i think a lot of people sometimes they don't see no. the the fault and that the fault is actually what makes it perfect actually isn't it ironic it's like the perfect storm right right yeah and how you you understand uh, in your relationship with fault and seeing your faults and seeing the faults in others and how actually fault works in in our favor in in so many ways and that they're not actually, it sound, turns out to be, you know, even false, yeah. but for another day. So for today, I just want to say thank you so much for coming and spending this time. We've been wanting to do this for some time. Yeah, I know. But we're going to do this again. You know, Promise things me. happen as they need to happen. Yeah, exactly. time is right, right? Yeah. So yeah. thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I want to thank you very much for giving me this opportunity.